splits up everything. Not the Blues' Corsi 4 percentage, that's for sure. The returning Stanley Cup champions have looked positively dreadful in three games within the Edmonton bubble. With just one game remaining before they start to matter, is it time to panic? We'll answer that ahead. We'll also look at the certain matchups and the perspective matchups in the first round and dive deep into our updated Alexi Lafreniere power rankings. Congratulations, Montreal. You played yourself. So let's get started and let's go Blues. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Two Guys One Cup podcast. It is Saturday, August eighth, and we are united again. That we are divided by Ian's totalitarian fiat. Um, I don't know what those words mean, but they I don't. Sound important. I don't have a fiat. It's, I've got a Volkswagen Golf. <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, I I had a friend get coronavirus, and I last saw him. Uh, two weeks ago, and so we decided it would be safe to wait another week and make sure that I don't die. But I'm feeling you last good. saw him two weeks ago, but he is okay. Yeah, he's fine. He's good okay. now. He he's most of the way to recovered. But um, you know, I think you're smart to wait. Uh, Ian, before we really dive into stuff, I had to tell people this saga of my last. 24 hours or so and then we got to do some podcast updates on equipment very boring equipment but then more exciting equipment (laughs) and then we can dive into hockey so here's my story last night at around well i know exactly when it was at least referentially because it was right right at the end of the maple leafs breaking my heart by actually doing something successfully uh which i'm sure we'll talk about more a little bit later on um after that game ended, I was legitimately depressed, Ian. I hate that team <laughs> so much that I was actually upset that they won. But I got up and, you know, I have two seating, two major seating areas in the family room of this house. And I got up off of one where I do a lot of work and like watch sports. And I went to sit on the other one to, I don't know, play a game or something. I think I was going to play some Overwatch. And I brought my computer with me, and by the time I sat down and looked at my computer again, the display was completely destroyed. <laughs> I, uh, about an inch up and about an inch from the right were just completely obscured by, like, lines and static and fuzz and, and blackness and the usual bad stuff, and I have, I still have no clue what happened, um, but, uh, I noticed finally that there seemed to be a little crack, like, under the screen itself, which I figured was not good, and uh, I brought it, uh, I decided, so first thing that I did was I was like, it's a a MacBook, so I was like, I'll check, you know, apple.com to see if anybody can take me in the morning and take a look at this thing and tell me what, you know, what the repair is needed and whatever. This is all complicated by the fact that tomorrow I'm heading to Pittsburgh for a business trip, for a week mm. where you city know, of losers yeah i really need a uh a, a computer to do business in pittsburgh for a week or anywhere else for that matter but um when i looked on the apple website 
thanks to coronavirus, they do not have any facility in the St. Louis area that is open and accepting appointments anytime, anywhere at all in the near future. Micro centers <laughs> apparently are all closed and Apple stores are all closed. And I guess they had a couple of other ones maybe that were available like later in the week, but that weren't open tomorrow. And I kind of was time constrained to need it tomorrow. So the closest one was Carbondale. And I decided I don't think I want to drive to Carbondale. <laughs> I might as well just keep going on to Pittsburgh at that point. But <laughs> Nobody wants to go to Carbondale. Yeah, I don't think anyone's ever chosen to go to Carbondale. Is Carbondale the Cape Girardeau of Illinois? And are those schools equivalent? I bet they are. I was about to say, there is a school there, so I suppose some people do choose to go to Carbondale. Do they choose to, though, or do they get rejected <laughs> from U of I and end up at Carbondale? Is Carbondale, do they choose Carbondale or is Carbondale chosen? <laughs> exactly. Much like Jerome Ginla's retirement. So, uh, <laughs> so I chose not to go to Carbondale, and I looked up one of those... Uh, strip mall, chop shop, you break, I fix places, which I actually had a really good experience with a with uh, an iPhone. So I uh, looked up their service and they said they could do laptops. So I, I decided I'd wake up first thing in the morning. Well, not first thing, but get over there and try it. As soon as I did wake up, I also texted uh, my boss, who uh, is, he wrote into the show last week uh, with his questions about Morgan, uh, about Oliver Bjorkstrand. I almost said his name instead of the player's name. <laughs> but I texted Morgan and was like, yo, this happened. Uh, I got to get it fixed before Pittsburgh. Can I expense it sort of thing? Which is not usually the move I'd make, but I was kind of between a rock and a hard place here. So uh, his response to that was, just get a new computer, which is how people with more money than I have think about life. Uh, <laughs> but um, I wasn't going to do that too early. So I went to the place and they were like, yeah, it's going to be a $400 repair and it's going to take two weeks because we have to send it off site. And so long story short, I have a new computer that we're recording on uh, right now. It's the same computer, but it works. The other one works, and I may get the display fixed sometime because it feels like something I could probably do when Apple reopens or whatever and just have a nice second computer or give it away or do something with it. But um, mm. it was a very bizarre day. That sort of stuff causes me a lot of anxiety because it's like, I don't know if you're like this about anything, Ian, but like I just get tunnel vision where like I can't think about other things. If something like that is on my mind, it's like, okay, this has to be fixed or there's nothing, like, I can't do other things, you know? Yeah, I think something like that, especially work-related, would definitely do that to me. Yeah. And there's definitely things I'll have, I don't know, something about, like, messes. If there's, like, certain messes that are about the house, mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, uh, I can't do anything. There's, like, <laughs> sticky stuff I found that's like, well, we got to leave. I'm like, we cannot. <laughs> It has to be clean. Yeah, and I like. I don't think I would have been less neurotic if I hadn't had to, you know, because I have to leave tomorrow for Pittsburgh. But it was very much like, okay, not only is this a problem, but if I'm going to solve it, I have to do it immediately. So, like, you know, mm -hmm. I got to figure something out, and, and I just ended up going with the nuclear option, which, um, you know, I guess I'm I'm happy about, but didn't wish it didn't go down like that but it was a crazy day uh the podcast updates are that we have a new recording table how exciting <laughs> is that 
and new recording chairs, we got a lovely message from at Brad Carrico one aka Gloria, on Twitter the other day. And Brad was very nice to us and pointed out something I'd seen or heard a little bit. And he said, I don't know if it's Stephen or Ian, but fix your desk slash table. Your microphone picks up every single wobble when you're typing. I listen with over-the-ear headphones, guys. I hear everything. I love your show, but you're doing my brain distress. Keep keep the cat meows, though. So I did not euthanize the cat per Brad's request. Uh, but <laughs> I did replace the table, and now I'm shaking it, and hopefully you're not hearing anything. I also tightened the microphone. Uh, and the chairs themselves are, are more comfortable, so, you know, maybe maybe longer episodes. Probably not, though, because we're already pretty long-winded anyway. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I think we're going to get some new microphones here before long. We're looking at it. We're taking our sweet time, but we do want to get the right thing, and we'll figure all that out. If people out there have brilliant sound, you know, recording podcast microphone advice, soundboard advice, hit us up. And Brad's hitting us up is an example of we always love feedback, even if it's, hey, you guys sound like shit feedback, you know, still good, still helpful. <laughs> so, yeah, we know, but we, you know. <laughs> we're trying. We're trying. We will get better. We yeah. we're, we're getting there, baby. We're well, baby steps. Try and get better. Baby steps. No, I, I really do, and I think you agree with me. Appreciate uh, that kind mm-hmm. of feedback because no, I don't go sure. back and listen through every episode all the time. You know, I do edit them, but I'm um, not necessarily gonna listen to all two hours of us talking over again. I probably do it more than people <laughs> would think as it is because I'm amused by us, but, you know, still not every episode. So anytime you hear something funky or, or uh, you know, see something, say something sort of attitude around here. And as always, send us your topic ideas, your discussion ideas. We've got some good ones in the can that we need to circle back around to. Uh, and, you know, like the re- subscribe, review, all that good stuff that people are supposed to ask every episode that we ask maybe once every six months. Um, <laughs> You know, do you, think, do you think that's why our rating sucks so bad? <laughs> uh, we've got some very, very nice reviews on on Apple Podcasts, and then one very strange one that I'm just like, okay, I forget, I forget what it is. I should look it up. But um, we're apparently Mariah Carey's favorite podcast, I believe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Her, but that must that must come from some rant from Mariah we went Carey. On. Or it was actually Mariah Carey reviewing it, perhaps. Uh, but, you imagine, like, just incognito being like, you know what, this is Mariah Carey's favorite podcast because that's who I am. You know, <laughs> that would be awesome. There are a few hundred people that listen to it. There's a chance one of them is, like, someone mildly more prominent than we expect. Could be, you know... Uh, I don't know, like a Frederick Roofing employee on there or something. Somebody. What do you you think Tony Hawk's doing these days? This. (laughs) That's one of my favorite stories. Do you know that story? You should tell that story. (laughs) All I know is there's some, I think it's a tweet, right? Uh Uh-huh. And is it from Tony Hawk? I think it's supposed these are all from Tony Hawk. Yeah, Yeah, he just says that people kind of vaguely know what he looks like. He's gotten older, so he looks the same, but maybe not quite the same as he used to, like many of us. And so sometimes people will recognize that he has like skateboards on him or whatever when he's traveling, still going to to competitions or maybe competitions with his kids or, you know, just being someone to show up and say hey to everybody that's skating. 
And people will be like, oh, wow, you know, this reminds me of Tony Hawk because mm-hmm. it's the most prominent skateboarder they can think of. And so they'll talk to Tony Hawk as if he's not Tony Hawk because they don't recognize him. <laughs> and I think there's a famous one where, yeah, he's on a plane and someone sees he's got all these skateboards in his like overhead bin or something like that. And like, oh man, like are you like, this is like what Tony Hawk does, you know, he skateboards and Tony Hawk's like, yeah. And they go, wow, I wonder what Tony Hawk's up to these days. And he just says this. <laughs> I love it. By the way, I found that review. It was a one star from March 2nd. The title is Garbage Podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) And the entire body of it is so many better blues and hockey podcasts out there. Don't waste your time. But I will give KSE Blues credit for spelling everything correctly. Using proper spelling and grammar always appreciated. I'm also amused by very kind, very kind review. But we have one that says these guys bring it every show, and it's a four-star review. <laughs> it just means that this man is a connoisseur of podcasts, and he withholds his five-star reviews for the very best of the best. So mm-hmm. uh, you could join their ranks, and maybe we'll read your podcast review on the good or bad. But if you're going to make a funny one, please give five stars, because that's still better. <laughs> but uh, the more insulting it is, the better, you know. But five please stars, please five stars. So. Uh, you know, we're like your favorite Uber driver, just constantly harassing you for a five-star review. <laughs> um, but we don't deserve it, unlike the Uber driver. So, ready to talk about hockey now that we're 20 minutes into this monstrosity? Only mm. 14, Ian. Stop being so dramatic. <laughs> oh, do I want to talk about Yeah, hockey? I mean, well, I if we're going to talk about the blues, hockey. I'd rather just keep talking about nonsense. To yeah, be I'd rather talk you. about some other hockey, but... Um, we might as well podcast. jump in. Mm-hmm. The blues have looked dreadful through two, three games now, two of them of pretend significance and one of them of no significance whatsoever. Um, obviously last week we talked about the, what was it, 4-1 loss to the uh, Blackhawks? I think 4 nothing. Oh yeah, it was 4 nothing. Damn. It was 4. Um, the game against the Colorado Avalanche was different, but not better. <laughs> um, we, uh, did score first in the first period, a power point goal by David Perron. It's a, it's a power point goal, which is the only positive to take away from this game. It was a nice power point goal, too. Your typical uh, cycling shin to Perron one-timer, that's how a power point is supposed to work. But Ian, uh, in total in the first period, the Blues were outshot 16-4. to uh, I ran the numbers really quickly. That's 4-1. to uh, It's also 40-10, to and it's also 1,312-328. to It's not... Not good. Uh, what were your thoughts about that first period as a whole? Oh, I was just again. I was like, man, you know, maybe maybe this first period was working out the kinks, and they were, and you know, they were ahead, and you're working out the kinks, so that can only bode well. Mm-hmm. You you would have thought. Um, mm-hmm. The second period was pretty uneventful overall. Um, I think we were slightly outshot, but not heavily outshot in that period. Uh, let me look it up. I'm pulling it up. NHL.com is super slow. It was 
13 to 10 St. Louis. So we had the edge, and in the third period, it was 15 to 12, but the Avs scored the only two goals, meaning that it was a defeat by the thinnest of margins. The first was Ryan Graves, who has had a really breakout season. I think he led the league in plus minus with like a plus 46, which is kind of a statistical anomaly, but still an impressive one. Uh, mm-hmm. Assisted by Mika Ranton and Pareko, tried to take a big slapper, but he scuttled it. Rantanen got it and skated and dropped it to Graves. Graves himself mishandled it, but kind of to his own advantage because he eventually had more space to create the shot and score. Uh, kind of a, you know, I don't want to blame Pareko too much because there have been plenty of complaints about the ice. Graves had his own problems with handling the puck on the other end. Um, but, you know, you you can't wind up for massive slap shots and then miss them. Uh, and that's what Pareko did, and it became a pretty easy goal against the other way. Anything to say about that one? I um, I hurt inside when I watched this <laughs> because it looked like we were going to – I felt like at this point the Blues actually looked like they had a really good momentum going. And from that point on, I mean, that's only five minutes into the third period. It still felt like even though we were tied, I felt like we were playing from behind. And we effectively were. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a close period. The Blues got some chances, uh, but not enough to obviously get the lead. And eventually, uh, Alexander Steen committed a hooking against Andre Burkowski with about a minute 17 left. And I don't know how you felt. I felt like that was a death sentence. Uh, at that point, I was just praying get to the overtime, at least get the pretend point, because somehow, even in this quote-unquote playoff scenario there are pretend points Um, i had forgotten about that so uh in any case uh gabriel landis call or sorry it was uh, a power play where the avs completely dominated it i don't know that we got it out of the zone a single time uh they cycled they pressed they did what the avs are capable of doing with all that talent out there Uh, And eventually, as everyone here listening to this podcast probably knows, the uh, Avalanche scored with a fraction of one second remaining on the clock. Nazem Kadri got a puck uh, that had gone off the post from Gabriel Landeskog, and he went to Anita, fired home into an empty net. Uh, Nothing Bennington could have hypothetically done about this one. And I don't know about you, Ian, but I really never questioned that it was in regulation. It just... I guess I was watching carefully enough that I could. I felt pretty confident that the buzzer sounded after the goal went across, and so I switched off and didn't see the lengthy review, but apparently it was a good four- or five-minute one, and they finally yeah. ruled that it was a good goal. Yeah, it was a long review, um, and they had ruled it a good goal already, so it's our, our favorite thing where they're sitting there looking at it for that long, then it's probably inconclusive, and you have to go with what you called. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of interesting because I got – listening to the Blues broadcast, Darren Pang went from, like, this is for sure a good goal to looking at the review and still saying that and then looking at the review, the exact same review again and being, like, not a goal anymore and, like, pretty pretty certain of it too. And then when they were, like, it's a good goal, he was, like, yep, of course. And I was, like <laughs> – I just ping-ponged all over the Didn't place. Didn't he do that with like, the offsides call in the uh, Golden Knights game, too? Mm-hmm. Or was I was that... like, I, I just think he's, I think he's trying to cover all his bases. Yeah, probably. But, uh... but it's, yeah, I never thought it was not a goal. Like, it was, sure, there's, like, little little um, bits and specks on the 
on the screen there where you're like, ah, it's, can I see daylight? You know, is it fully crossed the red line, the red goal line? I'm like, ah, maybe. And it's like, well, it is at point one second still. And it, it's like right on the edge. So you got to imagine that the 0.05 seconds, which they don't show you that it's over. So whatever, honestly, Blues didn't play well enough to win anyways. So mm. it was kind of like people were like, oh, it's too bad. I'm like, well, I think this was the fair outcome. <laughs> yeah, it hardly felt like an injustice of any sort. Mm-hmm. I felt like after that game, I don't have any quotes right here in front of me, but it felt like generally um, there was a kind of a laissez-faire attitude. Maybe maybe you can obviously disagree if you want to, but uh, it felt like the players and the coaches were kind of like, yeah, I mean, not a good effort, but what are you going to do? You know, it's we're still getting our, our game together and like that sort of stuff. And that worried me a little bit because of how bad the Chicago game also was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just felt like, okay, you can say that for a while, but at some point you're going to have to answer the bell and show up or you're not going to be in the playoffs anymore, you know? And uh, it just felt like, you know, we were we were out coursed 56 to 43 in this one, which isn't horrible, but it's not good. Um mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it just felt like it was not a, a good performance. Avs had the uh, greater of the Corsi and the greater of the expected goals by a good amount uh, in this one, and it just felt felt bad. It felt like not a fun game to watch. It didn't feel like blues hockey. We weren't playing tight. We weren't attacking. We weren't pressing and checking and so it came to be a situation where it was like well you know we came in assuming Colorado will be the toughest team to beat and we didn't beat them so now we've got to rally and and beat the Golden Knights uh, which I think is what made what unfolded there all the more frustrating so any thoughts on the avalanche before we move on yeah I I just didn't like kind of like what you already mentioned just the relaxed nature of "Eh, what are you going to do I mean, they're agreed. What am I going to do at this point? You lost. But it's also like, I don't know. Like, that's this is one of your strongest opponents that you could possibly face in the Western Conference Finals if you make it that far. With with thinking that the Blues and the Abs would finish, like, top two in seeding, which we know isn't the case anymore. Um, and you're like, you know, so maybe you don't face them till the, till the third round. And this is a good measuring stick. Yeah. That's what I didn't like. I didn't like the, like, these are preseason games. Like, shouldn't these, I know... They kind of are, but shouldn't they be approached as more like measuring stick games? Like I hated, and we'll get to it so we can kind of move on, but I hated reading some of the quotes after the Vegas game and even today about how like the Blues had a really strong practice. And man, guys were guys were revved up in practice. I'm like, dude, I've read this before. I read this all, like I read this all August long or all of July long where it's like, oh man, these, you know, these training camps, they look, they look revved up. They look ready to go. And it's like, kind of put up or shut up. I'm like, I felt like they said that before Vegas and I don't know, we'll get to it, but it was, it's just, it's annoying to me to constantly hear that and just not see the results. Yeah, I agree. And I think I saw you, I was creeping on one of the conversations you had on our Twitter account. And <clears throat> I think, I don't remember who it was, but I think somebody suggested like, Oh, I think Ruby's treating this like preseason. And you kind of said, yeah, that's a mistake. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, he shouldn't. And I think the guy agreed with you. So I'm not mm-hmm. calling him out, but it's like, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. And it's not because listen, 
this is going to end real quick here, and then we're going to face, as we'll discuss, the Canucks or the Flames, and they'll have just won a series in four games, either one of them, and they're not, you know, they played not preseason games. They played real, you know, call them playoff games or not, they played what amount to playoff level intensity or as close as you can get within this weird bubble system. And they're raring mm. to go and they're hungry to prove, you know, and, and out, go out there and get some upsets. And, and I'll talk about how I feel about those teams when we get there. But um, just, you can't, you know, these teams take longer. We've seen the Bruins struggle. Uh, the Capitals haven't looked amazing, obviously, as we'll talk about. The Penguins got knocked out. I think these experienced teams take longer to go from 0 to 60 um, than other teams. And I think if you don't even press the gas until you're in the second round and you're trying to catch up to a team that's already going 40 miles an hour, you're just not going to get there in time. In my mm -hmm. opinion. So that's what I mean. You can't. You just can't treat these as just like whatever. We'll we'll turn it on because, like you said, you we've seen it. It's not working. Yeah. So let's go ahead and dive into uh, what was this Thursday's game against the Golden Knights at five thirty. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know, weird times, obviously, too, for both of these teams. But uh, David Perron once again opened the scoring. This time, just four minutes in. Uh, Zach Sanford and Ryan O'Reilly assisting that line. Uh, doing fantastically, as always. Uh, a failed clearing attempt sort of fell at Perron's feet, and he knocked it home. It was just sort of a botch job by the Golden Knights. And a lot of this game on both sides was hella sloppy, so I don't think this was a good game played by either team, but we still lost it, you know, so it was worse for us. Uh, mm -hmm. In the second period, it was like an NHL uh, 20 game on, on arcade mode. Um, Colton Pareko scored the first goal, his first of two, Shin assisted. Uh, Shin made a really nice move and pulled up on a spin and then barely had to move it to Pareko for the one-timer home. Uh, it was a nice play for sure. Didn't take a lot of uh, puck movement, just created some space with his body and, and made it set out the play. Then the chaos started around the six-minute mark and really kicked into gear around the ten-minute mark. Shea Theodore... Uh, scored on the power play at 6.50. Uh, it was after Bortuzzo blocked a shot and Theodore was given way too much space because Samford was puck watching. Uh, so he was way out near the circle on his own and had plenty of room to take the wrist shot and knock it home, which he did fairly easily. Um, that was the first of three consecutive Vegas night goals. The second being Alex Tuck and the third being Alex Tuck. Uh, but the first assisted by Tomasz Nosek and... Uh, Nick Holden, Bortuzzo got skated around again after some nice passing. Tuck got it and tucked it in. And uh, Vince Dunn did not do a lot to clear out the front of the net. Vince Dunn has not looked particularly good in this postseason at all. Obviously, he uh, was quote-unquote unfit to play. Have, have we confirmed now? Didn't Dunn actually come out and say that he had had the virus? Um, I'm not sure if he did or not, but I would believe it. But I mean, I'm, I, it's pretty hard to imagine it's anything else. <laughs> um, just from the weirdness around it and the timetable for return. But in any case, <clears throat> missed some of training camp, missed the very start of this postseason. So maybe understandable if he's still getting his feet back under him. The third goal also tucked three minutes later. 
Chaos in the Zone on the Golden Knights power play. Bortuzzo made no effort to get over and force Tuck away from the front of the net, and Petrangelo fell over a bit as well. Game over, Tuck. Tucked it in again. Uh, Bennington, really nothing he could do on any of these. His positioning might not have been great on the Theodore one, but, like, you know, it's not his fault. But then the Blues answered with two goals, uh, one the first being less than a minute later. Pareko got the puck uh, from O'Reilly after he skated it into the zone and started uh, a nice strong skate around behind the net. And for some reason that I couldn't really apprehend or figure out, Fleury, Marc-Andre Fleury just got way out of position and Pareko saw it and sped up, wrapped around and tucked it in, uh, making Magnus Pajarvi beam with pride. Uh, wherever he's spending his coronavirus summer, presumably back in Sweden, because who the hell would want to stay in Ottawa? Um, and then uh, the Blues scored again 21 seconds later, as as you expected in 2020, a playoff goal from Troy Brower. Uh, this one he only had to swing at once after Tyler Bozak got him a very nice backdoor feed and gave him basically an empty net. And the Blues had made it 4-3 to three at this point, and you're thinking, okay, you know, sloppy as hell, crazy, but maybe we've got something here, maybe that's what we need to kind of finally shake the mud out of the tires and get rolling. Mm-hmm. And then the third period happened, and it wasn't good. Three Golden Knights goals, all of them ugly in some way on our part. Zach Whitecloud tied it. Uh, two minutes in, Nicholas Roy and Nick Cousins assisting. Dunn got involved in a, a fracas behind the net. I don't even remember with who, but as he was trying to start a fight instead of actually defending, uh, Roy skated right behind him and passed in front to Whitecloud, who scored. Really bad luck for Dunn, just a really kind of immature uh, moment for him there. And then 10 minutes later, uh, Mark Stone's score, Justin Falk got basically chased down from behind the net and dispossessed. There was nice passing around the zone, which led Stone right to the net, and he's not going to miss. Bennington's not going to stop that. And finally, I think it was at that point when I said Jordan Bennington has been the best Blues player in this game by far, and we'd allowed five goals, which really was an example of just how bad things were. Uh, And then later, a few minutes later, Shea Theodore scored again. Perron failed to clear the puck from his knees. It went right to Theodore, who had plenty of space to shoot past Bennington and score. It was 6-4. There wasn't a lot of effort after that. The Blues got a little bit of effort in, uh, but not much. And it ended 6-4. Um... I would say even worse than the game before it in myriad ways. The biggest to me being that I think every one of those goals really was preceded by some serious defensive malfeasance. Mm-hmm. Um, the Blues, Corsi 4 in this game overall at all strengths over 60 minutes was 28.28, which really is unspeakably low. Yeah. Kind of I'm, glad you, I'm glad you brought that up. Because I have forgotten, and now I want to mention, the Blues also had seventy percent in the faceoff dot. Oh yeah, which so is one of they, the like four they, Corsi things, isn't it? I was like, so they won seventy percent of their faceoffs. Uh, they started with the puck seventy percent of the time, and yet their Corsi four was whatever twenty percent. Yeah, it's inconceivable. That's, that's almost worse. I think that's actually worse than if your face-off percentage was like in the dumpster and your Corsi percentage in the dumpster. Like, well, of course. Okay, got it. You yeah. couldn't win the puck back. 
and you can never start with a puck. But if you start with a puck 70% of the time and you have a course you pour that's sub 30%, that's awful. That's yeah. so bad. It's, it's, un, it's, it's unbelievable. And it really, I mean, this team just didn't look like it gave a damn. I, I hate to be that guy. I'm not trying to insult their integrity because I know they're professionals. I'm not trying to say they're not. They obviously just won a Stanley Cup. So I'm not saying they're incapable, but they just did not look like they gave two shits about this game. And it showed on the ice. And the only person who seemed to care was Bennington. And that sucks even more because he allowed six goals uh, on 38 shots, you know, which is mm-hmm. still a really bad save percentage, I think. I don't know what it is, but it's in the eights. Um, and not that that matters, not that he cares about his individual 842 save percentage, but... It just sucks. It sucks. I mean, the the only positive you can possibly take away from two games is that I think Bennington's looked really good overall, mm-hmm. despite allowing eight goals and you know twelve go- even even back to the Chicago game twelve goals. Um, I think he's looked pretty good for the most part. I guess he only allowed two of the Chicago goals because Allen played the second half. But um, mm. yeah, I mean. General thoughts on this before we dive into the quotes yeah. you were talking about. Yeah, we also had uh, 17 shots, I believe, in this uh-huh. game. So we scored four goals. We had 17 shots. Including, I think, like four in the third period. Yeah, and, and like those were at those least was, two or three at the very end. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the first of those was literally with like four minutes left. Yeah, I was like, at one point, I swear, with like, yeah, with like five minutes left, we had 14 <laughs> shots on that. Like, I don't know what else, like, at one point in time, and sometimes I understand Craig Berube's insistence upon, like, don't just, like, shoot the puck at the net and, like, give it up. Oh, like, you're just going to be giving it up if you just throw it at the net. I, I understand that, and I can kind of get behind that, too. But sometimes I do think the old, tired adage of, oh, if you put pucks on that you know you never know what will happen is true mm-hmm. and it's kind of annoying that i that they're baked into this whole like we really just need that really perfect we really need to get that shot that looks really good we mm-hmm. he's like i'd rather we have like 10 amazing opportunities than like 30 ho-hum opportunities i'm like you know some of your ho-hum opportunities might turn into amazing ones after the fact <laughs> or, if, or if you're honestly to me that reads kind of lazy sometimes because it's kind of like, Hey, we really want like the best opportunity. And if we just throw something on net, it might turn into something great, but that's only if we're really pushing the pace, you know, we're really diving for it, but I don't think we're going to do that. So we're just going to go for the best ones. And it's like, man, if you were, you know, if you're giving it your all and I'm again, I get it. They're not going to be going hundred percent in these games or in any game necessarily. They're not always going to be giving it 110 because they're just humans. But like, if you're really trying your hardest conceivably, you could turn some of these just ho-hum opportunities into, you know, a scramble in front or it bounces off someone's skate or, you know, if you're going for it, you're going to have two guys at the front of that or something like that. But it, like, if I'm reading it right and you're like, those are just crappy opportunities. It's because you're not putting in enough effort to turn them into better opportunities, quite honestly. And it's also two things about it really bother me. One of them is that Darren Pang talks about it every game. And he always talks about it like it's a revelation for hockey. 
Like, it's the newest thing, and I love Darren Pang. I know we've crapped on him a couple of times in this podcast. It's no disrespect. I think we both love him. But he always mm-hmm. talks about it like, this is just, you know, this is the the incredible hockey mind of Craig Berube, and I think the entire game is moving this way, which I do not think it is at all. So I don't know where he's coming up with that. But the other thing that weirds me out about it is, I think that message might work for, like, a skilled team, but mm-hmm. that's not our thing. Like, we've got a lot of very good players. I'm not insulting our roster, but we're not the Lightning or the Maple Leafs where we've got four or five guys that are elite goal scorers and elite playmakers that can move the puck around and put it in the net. And if they're going to get a good, a great opportunity, they're not going to miss it. We've got mm-hmm. four or five guys whose determination is probably their biggest strength. Uh, you know, we've got one guy who's a great sniper, but who's you know, not the most physical, determined guy all the time. And it just seems like, yeah, I mean, it's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. But if you aren't getting more than 17 opportunities in a game, you need to change your idea. You know, like, if it's not working, it's one of those things, like, I hated Ken Hitchcock sometimes because he would just tweak mercilessly and he wouldn't give anything any time to develop at all but it's like bro if it's the third period and you've got 14 shots change anything at all you know because like something's not working which may have been actually the problem to start in this game i forgot that they mentioned um that like our d pairings he was like flipping around all the time all game which to give darren pang credit uh when john kelly was like you know Darren, do you think maybe that's why the Blues just didn't look good tonight? Do you think it's, you know, the fact that they tried, like, three different deep pairings tonight throughout the night and everything like that? And uh, to Darren Pank's credit, he was like, yeah, maybe, but he's like, John, I just think they'd have like, played, like, crap more or less. And I was like, you know what? Good for you, Darren. That's right. You could have taken that hook line, hook, line and sinker, but you are like, nah, nah, nah. They just played like poop. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's appropriate, and I, pre- I do appreciate when he does that because it's true. I think that's the... There's no reason to overanalyze this, and that's that's kind of the point I want to get into when we can read these quotes. But to me, and you can tell me how you feel, I just feel like there's it's one of two things right now. Either the Blues are just kind of lazy because the games don't matter, and that you know would indicate to me that we'll see a, a much stronger effort against the Stars. Win or lose, I don't really care. And then mm-hmm. it'll be kind of off to the races for the first round, and, and we'll see where the chips fall. But the other option to me, and I think this is a very real option, is that the Blues don't really give a damn about these weird bubble playoffs, and we're just not going to see them get out of first gear. And first gear might be enough to get them past the Can- Canucks or the Flames, and it might not, and it certainly won't be enough to get them any farther than that, and we'll just see them bounced. And I kind of think we have to be okay with that, sort of. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you'd, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but, like, this team just won a cup, and this is not, I, th- I, I feel like I can say definitively, this is not a legitimate cup this year now. Now some of the hockey I've seen played, the weirdness of the atmosphere, the effort level of teams, this just does not feel anything like a real Stanley Cup, and I'm sure it will feel more like one the deeper in the playoffs we get but like just seems to me like if they go if they kind of fold if if they do what the 
penguins did. If they do what the, you know, Canucks are, or the not Canucks, the Capitals or Bruins seem to be doing. And they're just kind of like, you know, eh, we'll, we'll get one that counts. We're not, not that fussed with this one. I don't know that I care that much, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Or any of them? Yeah, no, I, I ping pong constantly between this cup. I won't say this cup is the, the hardest one to win, but just like this cup is, you know, eternally legitimate and totally fine to, nah, I mean, this cup is legitimate. And if you win it, like, I'm not going to try and take it away from you, but also I don't care. Yeah. Um, and I, and then I think it just depends on what team I see winning. <laughs> if it's a team I like, I'm like, this is, this is a real cup. And if it's a team I don't like, I'm like, mm, it's just wacky. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't, if the blues get booted out, fine. And any, if anything, these poor showings from them have kind of, numbed me to that a little bit so it's like if they get booted out i'm not gonna be like oh no what what happened oh. i'm be like okay yeah i got you <laughs> like it's not coming um it'd be nice for them to play a little more competitively because unfortunately and maybe just because we're more best in this team i find i've found that their games have been extremely boring oh, compared yeah. to a lot of the other games i've watched um and on top of that it's i'm kind of ready i don't know if you feel like this too and i'm sure a lot of blues fans don't or maybe they're just ready for the next cup. But in the same, that's sort of in the same vein of what I'm going to say. Like, I'm kind of ready for this journey to be over. And like, what I mean is, and I think I mentioned this before, is the Blues won the cup last season. And then this season was kind of like the giant epilogue to that journey. It was like, hey, this is the first season right after the, you win a cup. Mm-hmm. You're the champions. You get the recognition. You got the target on your back. You raise the banner. They talk about you all the time whenever someone comes to visit you. You know, this is a reigning, you know, Stanley Cup champions, yada, yada. And that's great. And I liked it a lot, but it feels very connected to the past season. And it feels like once another team wins the cup, we can, like, the, the this chapter can actually, like, really be over. Mm-hmm. We can find, it's almost like a little bit of weight has lifted off. And you're like, you know what? We're back to being just the St. Louis Blues again. And we won the 2019 Cup, and we'll always have that. And you can always go back and have memories of that. And I've, I've, everyone's dreamed of that. It's been so nice that you can actually go on YouTube and look up, like, like any other team, like, let's look up the championship videos. Oh, cool, we have them now. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm kind of I'm kind of ready for it to be over. I'm kind of ready for, like, the next Cup journey. And I don't think this one's it. If it is, cool, I'm down for it. But it feels like, you know, let Philly win, and then we can just be go back to being the Blues, and we can we can enjoy that eternal struggle yet again. Yeah, well, and that's like, it's not really back to back cups. If we won it this year, it's not what it means when like the Penguins won back to back cups. You know, because mm-hmm. you got a four month break. So, <laughs> I mean, the whole point of the whole thing that makes back to back cups so hard is you get this tiny ass basically two-month break between the end of the cup finals and the beginning of training camp, and then you're supposed to do it all over again, and virtually no one can. Well, if you build a four-month break in before the playoffs, then it's kind of a whole new thing. But even, you know, that aside, I don't think we're doing it. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a moot moo point, a moot point, a cow's opinion. Uh, but um, regardless, it's just like, I, I agree with everything you say because it's like, okay we won it and that was incredible and you know i don't think any win is ever going to replicate what that felt like 
unless it's some sort of Herculean David Freeze type of thing. You know, not that they won't all feel incredible if we are mm-hmm. lucky enough to win more cups and see more cups won in St. Louis, but like that is its own unique story and Gloria and all that sort of stuff and the momentum and Bennington and everything and and it does feel like everything currently is still kind of a narrative from that season that's built out somehow, you know, and it's just like, okay, yeah, I really am ready to see what this team is. And I'm kind of ready, like, as weird as it is, it's like I'm kind of ready to see who we add and who we subtract going forward. Like, if Petrangelo leaves, like, what the hell is this team? I don't really want him to leave, but if he does, it's like, okay, now the Band-Aid's really ripped off, and now mm-hmm. it's like a whole new question, and now we really got something to talk about. Um, so it just seems to me like, yeah, it's just let's figure out what we're doing this season, and if we get bounced... I'll be disappointed, I'm sure, you know, because mm-hmm. it's just you're a fan and that's how you should be. But I don't think I'm going to feel anywhere near the level of disappointment I, I might during a normal year, uh, especially if there was a really close, impactful series. I just don't think I'm going to get there unless it's like in Game 7 of the Cup Final or something, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, so let me read these quotes real quick, uh, all from Jeremy Rutherford. First, he says, Berube says Schwartz and Shin need to play more north to south, and they'll be better with Tarasenko on Sunday. Uh, that is something we didn't mention, is that both Tarasenko and Thomas were out on Thursday, replaced by Cairo and Brower, I guess. Really different ends of the spectrum there. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, they're both young up-and-comers who haven't gotten a lot of NHL time. That's true. That's Terry true. Brower that they keep talking about. I didn't know he was. He's not on the prospect pyramid, so it really must have come out of nowhere. But I refuse <laughs> to accept that we re-signed Troy Brower. So. No, <laughs> or, no, no, no. I, as much as I refuse to accept that, I really refuse to accept it, that, that we kept him for four and a half months and gave him playoff minutes. Uh, but in any case... Um, <clears throat> Baruby says Kairou was okay. He needs to be more aware with and without the puck. But, and this is a quote, he's a big part of our future, which I do like to hear. Uh, and he also says Tarasenko and Thomas will play Sunday. Allen will be in goal. That's all fine. Here's my question. After that game we just saw, what is the argument for not showing me what 20 to 25 minutes of Robert Thomas looks like? Put him... I'm sure. I'm sure their argument will be that he's getting, you know, he was banged up and he's just getting well, back out. I'm sure. But, like, I just, I I feel like, I'm not saying that because we didn't have him we looked that bad. I'm not that crazy. But, like, that dude is, is very integral to this team. And at some point we've got to stop having him on the third line with non-skilled players, I feel like. Mm-hmm. That's... that's... Annoying to have him be the guy that's like, and again, no disrespect to like Sammy Blay or whatever, but feeding like Bozak and Blay and stuff. And it's like, okay, that's great. But like, I don't need you to be paired with Tarasenko, but like you could be feeding Schwartz. We could put Shen back on the wing, you know, like there's, there are options we have here. And it seems like we're just not using them to be, to be deep, but it's like, I think you're kill you're killing the depth. He's wow. dying down there. <laughs> Uh, Barubi said today was a high-tempo practice and guys are ready to play. Sanford said it was probably the most intense practice so far in the bubble. And Sammy Blay says the Blues had a players-only meeting yesterday. Sanford said it was a good talk to get everybody on the same page. He added that it was good to hear what the veterans had to say, what they were seeing, St. Louis Blues. Now, to your point, okay, now show me on the ice. Yeah. 
Now, I, I will say with a grain of salt because I think pre-cup run, and this is the one thing that I don't ever want to change from that cup run, pre-cup run I would have seen a quote like that and been really disgusted and thought, mm-hmm. okay, I hear this quote every three weeks and it never means yeah. any damn thing, so stop talking to me about it. After the cup, I see a quote like that, and I'm like, okay, maybe, like maybe that, maybe that turned it around. Maybe you figured it out, but I still need to see it to care, you know. Yeah, but Zach Tanford said it was a person or a person, a player-only meeting. Uh-huh. He didn't say he got punched in the face. That's though, true. So, <laughs> so who knows? nothing has changed. Yeah, maybe maybe what the veterans saw though was that he needed a face punching. So <laughs> uh- <laughs> they just all turned to him slowly. Uh, and then the big question, Ian, if the Blues beat Dallas tomorrow, they'll place the number three seed and face the Calgary Flames. And if they lose, they will face the Vancouver Canucks. Tell me your thoughts first. Who would you rather see the Blues play? Um, you know, I want like I want to say Canucks. That's where my head's going. I want to say I think they'd be better off playing the Canucks and I think my my dumb reasoning is this. So I think the Canucks and the Flames, who will get into their series in a little bit and how they did, I think they both played very well, obviously, uh, both winning like their series in four games. And I think their skill level, their average skill level of both of those teams is the same. But I think <laughs> to how much it deviates from the mean is the difference. Mm. So I think Calgary is very skilled up and down their lineup, but you don't have anyone that's like crazy skilled, you know, no offense to Johnny Gaudreau or Sean Monaghan. <laughs> you don't have anyone that's like in, insane to me at least. I'm like, they're very, very, very good. They're great players. But then their low end, they've got like, I don't know, I can't even think who they got, but they're like, they're they're halfway decent too. Mm-hmm. Like even, even Lucic actually played pretty well in their series. So like, it's like, okay, so you're like literal... Worst players playing halfway decent. Okay, that's pretty good. I think their defense is pretty solid, like top to bottom. And then you've got the Canucks who have like Brock Besser and Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes, who I think are all better than anybody that's on the uh, the Flames. Maybe maybe barring Besser a little bit, but Pettersson and Hughes most certainly. But then you also have like Antoine Roussel. And you also have like fucking uh, who else do they have over there? Like Jay Beagle. Jay Beagle, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, and you've got um, the ghost of Louis Erickson. <laughs> like so, so where you have these huge highs, in Vancouver, you have these gaping lows. And to be fair, Vancouver did have their depth show up a little bit when they played against Minnesota. But I think if the Blues can neutralize those like outstanding players for Vancouver, and they'll be hard, but I think they can do it because they've done it in the past, then I think Vancouver's much more of a cakewalk, where I think Calgary, you kind of have to manage that entire team. But I also think Calgary has the bigger chance of just not showing up, just being like, whoops. Um, but then, I don't and their goaltending is really hit or miss for me, because I think like Cam Talbot's probably more consistent than Markstrom? Not more consistent than Markstrom. I have no idea. Like, they both... I like Markstrom better, but that's that's just me. So, I choose the Canucks because I think the Blues could handle them better, but I also think if the Canucks are just hot, then we probably get rolled. Like, um, <laughs> but, you, but to me, the big thing for me is we're not playing the Blackhawks in the first round. We're not playing the Coyotes who... 
ate our lunch this entire season. Um, and if you lose to Calgary, you lose to Vancouver. You know what? I I tip my hat to him. I'm not I'm not upset. Yeah, yeah. Um, here's the thing. This uh, this is kind of a lame answer, but I'm gonna give it anyway. I don't care which of these teams we play because we should fucking run the floor with either of them. I was is, like, yeah, if we're in if we're in good blues mode, you know, good team blues <laughs> mode. This is not neither of these teams are. I was thinking about this today earlier because there is, you know, I'm internally I'm like I'm glad we avoided the Coyotes because for whatever team reason they play us hard, you know, mm-hmm. and, the, and the Predators as we'll talk about got bounced and we avoided the Blackhawks too, but it's like, well, avoided by sucking real hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was just really thinking about it, and it's like, man, I watched for whatever reason the games I watched the closest were Edmonton and Chicago, and dude. Both of those teams are bad. And I know some of it's just the sloppiness of the bubble, and I know it's a little weird, but, like, holy crap. If Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl aren't on the ice, oh, my God, those teams are bad. Mm -hmm. And I just was thinking about it, and I'm like, why do I care who we face? We should just beat them. And maybe Mm -hmm. we won't, but the only team who's going to beat us in the first round is us. You know, like, the only chance we lose is if we defeat ourselves or don't play hard enough. Because it's not going to be a skill thing. It's not going to be a coaching thing. It's not going to be a talent thing. It's not going to be a four lines thing. It's just going to be that we didn't care enough to play really well, you know? Mm-hmm. And and maybe that will happen. I mean, oh, everything so far indicates that that's the way this is headed. So I'm not trying to be overconfident. But it's just kind of like, all right, at this point, let the chips fall where they may. Let's see who we face. I mean, I guess I'd rather face the Canucks because that would mean we'd beat Dallas and would already be one step ahead, right? But like, or is it the, no, it's the Canucks, right? Who are the the better draw, quote unquote. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I guess in that sense, I'd rather face the Canucks. But I really don't care because it's just going to be up to us to decide we want to win. And if we don't, I fine for either team. I don't care. I'm not, you know, I don't hate either of these teams. I guess I like the Canucks a little more, but like, which is a weird sentence. If 16 <laughs> right. year old Steven had heard that, he would have just vomited in his mouth. But, um, <laughs> but they've got so much cooler jerseys now, Steven, and the, and the Sadines are gone. They'll never haunt your nightmares again, except for their weird faces, their weird round Scandinavian mess up faces, the ugliest people <laughs> that Sweden ever produced. The Sedins. But in any case, it really is to me. It's like, all right, I don't care because it's on us. Uh, and so with that, why don't we go ahead and, and look in on the matchups and, and talk about who did what and the upsets we saw and the very much not upsets we saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, there were a lot. As we, alluded, as we alluded to, the Blackhawks beat the Edmonton Oilers. I think we both picked pretty strongly that this would go the other way. Um Connor McDavid showed up for one game. I'm not saying Connor McDavid is the problem in Edmonton because I'm not an idiot like Andrew and Dater, but he did not dominate this series like he probably should have. He dominated one game, and that's the one game Edmonton won. Uh, but, you know, Chicago has... I, I don't think they're a threat. I know a lot of people have suddenly decided, oh, man, they're a good, young, hungry team. No, they're not. They're not a good team. They're going to get just friggin' obliterated by either the Golden Knights or the Blackhawks. They can't. 
hold a candle to that team. The problem is there's such a gap in talent between the top, I would say three, but let's be nice to the stars and say four teams in the West and anybody else that even the 12th and the fifth team are more or less on par with each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, McDavid and Drysaddle combined for 15 points. So I guess it, you know, it's neither of their faults, and I, di- I didn't mean to imply that it was. I just felt like there was only one game that they really took over, uh, but they could not overcome the 12-seeded Blackhawks. Thoughts on this series? I was sad to see the way this turned out, obviously. Um, I'm, I'm glad that Blackhawks do not have uh, any chance of getting Lafreniere, which is great. And I'm glad that Edmonton does because that's also great. Um, you know, just for max really chaos reasons, a, a, a lottery break for, yeah. Yeah. I mean, why not have your, what your fifth first overall mm-hmm. in the last like 11 years? Why not? Taylor <laughs> Hall's team can't win the uh, first overall pick this year as we'll discuss. So good. Like what are you, once you get Lafreniere, what first round are you going to say? You're going to trade one for one for some, you know, middling defense. That's right. Um, Peter Shirelli isn't out there anymore. I think, thank God it's, it's sad, and it was interesting to see the Blackhawks win. I was part of me was kind of intrigued because there's a lot of players on that team outside of the Canes and Taves and Sods that I'm like, who is this? I mean, I guess I know who Kubalik is now and the Brin Cap, but there's like Freddie Highmore or some shit. Yeah, they're the youngest, like, who are you? youngest on average team in this league or in mm. this bubble, and that blew my mind. Uh, there were so many people on that team. I'm like, I guess. Kirby Dak is 19, Sakura, like you said, uh, not Sakura, he's a thousand, but uh, who's their who's their defenseman? That's not Doc, right? Doc is their some center. Other... Uh, who's their def- who's their young defenseman? Boquist. Yeah, Boquist is like, there. I'm kind of I'm like I was kind of enamored. I was like, damn, you guys got a lot of players. Now I do think they're all the same player, <laughs> but I mean, like that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know that that team can step up and replace Patrick Kane is the question, you know, because mm-hmm. that dude is still the only truly elite player that they have. Doesn't it feel like that? It does feel like they drafted Patrick Kane, who was the consensus number one overall, and they were like, I think we're on to something here. <laughs> Small scoring players are good. I think we figured it out. And I was like, yeah, we we all did. But like, you guys are, like, stuck on it. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. You're right. Uh, um, They'll be interesting to play. They'll be an interesting team to watch in the next round. Um, we'll get to the matchups. I have a few, a few, the few that have been decided thus far in the first round at the end of this episode. But it was interesting. I just felt bad that like Edmonton, Edmonton just so shitty. How, how can you be the way that you are still, especially when. Like, in the regular playoffs, they were in, like, the third seed in the West, or in, like, the Pacific. So they wouldn't have had to even play a crappy team like the Blackhawks, but it makes me think it wouldn't have mattered. Someone's like, oh, that's too bad for them. They shouldn't have had to play the Blackhawks. I'm like, you would have played a better team, and you would have gotten throttled. Yeah, that's, like, that's weird. That's bizarre to me. I think... I'm trying to separate my opinions on the bubble from my opinions on the league overall, but man, I feel like this league has six to eight good teams, a Mm -hmm. handful of all right teams, and a lot 
of garbage teams, some of whom have one or two stars, which makes them appear like they're in the all right tier. But mm -hmm. that series was awful. <laughs> I think that was what was disappointing as I watched it. It was entertaining, but not like, not like in the right ways. Those teams are both so bad. And I felt, I don't know, man. It's just like, it's weird to think that your team, you're so upset about the blues, not you, you, but the Royal, you, we are so upset mm -hmm. about the blues for losing meaningless games and being defending cup champions. And then there are teams out there pulling that shit. And it's like, okay, well maybe life isn't so bad for us over here, you know? Um, in any case, that was that series. It was over. Uh, Nashville Predators have fallen to the Arizona Coyotes. Beautiful. Uh, Nashville will remain. Well, they've got a chance, I suppose, now to actually get their first relevant franchise player in franchise history. Uh, but um, Oh, don't be mean to David Leguan. <laughs> uh, all there, I shouldn't say that. I mean, Shea Weber, very good when he was there. Ryan. <laughs> Ryan <laughs> what a mistake. What a mistake. What's uh, Ryan Sutter, pretty good. Obviously, Pekka Rene has been a stalwart there, but forward-wise, woof. Uh, the Predators got some good scoring from their top players. Uh, Forsberg had five points, and Johansson had five points, but the rest of the team couldn't get it done. Saras had a terrible series with a playoff force, minus four goals saved above expectation. That is hard to pull off in four games. Let me tell mm -hmm. you, that's, that's not an easy stat to run up that fast. And I don't know why you don't pivot to Rene at any point during that. Was he? He's in the bubble, right? I assume he can. Yeah, I believe so. I don't know. That's weird. Um, and uh, Arizona is a wagon, as uh, Biz uh, Paul Bisnett. <laughs> Fond of saying, but I do. I I think we talked about it last week, man. That's a team. If any team is going to do the worst to first kind of like, oh crap, how'd this team end up in the Western Conference Final? I do think they're the one. They've got a tight defensive structure. They've got good defenders. Uh, Nicholas Jarmelson is alive for the first time in six years, which, granted, he'll probably be injured again before the end of the first round, but he's here for now. They've got good goalkeeping, they've got two good goalies, and they've got enough punchy scoring threats to be interesting. And they've got mm -hmm. a former Hart Trophy winner, so I just feel like that's a team that if they start chugging, plus they've got a narrative, their GM left them, like, I don't know, who are they? They're going to face... The the better or the second place of the two, um, yeah, so we, which we know now. So they'll be playing the Avalanche. Okay, so that isn't a matchup I love for them, <laughs> but um, I th I don't think there's anyone they couldn't upset. You know, I do mm -hmm. think they're dangerous. So any thoughts on that series before we move on? Yeah, it was. I've watched a lot more of the series than I thought I would, and Arizona is definitely a fun team to watch. They're they weren't able to, I think, almost ever outshoot the Predators, but sort of to Craig Berube's point, Arizona, I felt like, had just the better scoring opportunities, despite the fact they didn't have, like, an abundance of shots, whereas mm -hmm. Nashville just had just, like, really shitty shots that, like, never, like, zero threat a lot of the time. Um, and Arizona, fun young team. You've got Clayton Keller, you've got... I say fun young team, and I pivot right to Phil Kessel. <laughs> you, you got Taylor I Hall. You got a lot of young though. guys. 
you know? Jacob, Jacob Chikrin, yeah. he's still a thing. I forgot all about him. He's either 22 or 38. I don't know. He's something. Yeah. I love their, I love their third jerseys. You know, their old, uh, what was it, Kachina jerseys? Yeah. Yep. Those are dope. I love them. I love that these teams, I like that the Hurricane and them are both going with their thirds as their home jerseys. I'm like, yeah, that's the, it's bubble life, man. Just do whatever you want. Jacob Chikrin is actually 22. I would have, <laughs> I would have guessed he was at least like four, 24, 25. Well, he pulled like a Eric Johnson, yeah, like his second year, he just like obliterated something in his leg and yeah, was never around. So. Yep, I believe that's correct. Mm-hmm. And they also have Ilya Labushkin, who I just like saying his name. <sighs> the Vancouver Canucks and Minnesota Wild were predictably very boring. I thought. I don't know if you feel that way, but it was. They were kind of fun, I yeah. guess. I liked I liked watching the Canucks. It was more like, let's see what the Canucks can do. Uh, and the Minnesota Wild are going to be the Washington Generals. <laughs> they're there, the other team. That's true. And I think, you know, you predicted they had a chance in this one. Uh, I don't know why. Why did I do that? I don't know either, but they sure <laughs> didn't. Bruce Boudreaux, not there to poison them, but perhaps the venom lingers in their veins. Minnesota showed some fight, but were ultimately no match. Canucks got bar- balanced scoring. Ten of their players had at least one point. Quinn Hughes, oh my God, is that kid good? Six points. <laughs> um, and uh, Minnesota, what's the one and five? One power play or one goal, five assists? Uh, one goal, five assists. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, Minnesota performed well in the series. Fiala looked really good, which is one bright spot for them. Uh, maybe he's actually going to pan out and do a really good player like was hoped. Uh, Stalock is not, I would say, a goalie you can build around, but he looked good at points. Uh, But they couldn't get a good defensive performance, and they fell in four games and a come-from-behind victory. Did they win game one and then lose the next three? Yeah, they they uh, shut the Canucks out in game one and made me go, oh, and then nothing happened. Ooh. The Pittsburgh Penguins fell... Oh, sorry. No, I didn't. Yeah, I did skip. Excuse me. Uh, The Calgary Flames and the Winnipeg Jets. I thought, I think this was the one we were wrongest about. Yes. I felt like Calgary did not have a prayer against Winnipeg. Uh, Hellebuck didn't look like a Titan, uh, but he just had no support. Uh, You know, he wasn't, he wasn't game stealing good, but he certainly didn't have any help. Shifel, Aline, and Appleton, the Grass Dragon Pokemon, were all injured in Game 1 and never returned to the series, which, you know, that's two. Your, that's your two biggest, two of your three biggest forward threats and also a, a guy that's a Pokemon, so... Yeah, you put him in the PC and you forget about him. I mean, Razorleaf could have done a lot of damage to that team, especially, well, I guess not because they're the Flames. It oh, been, yeah, see, he had no chance. Uh, Dragon Breath at least guarantees 40 HP each time, so... Mm-hmm. That could be something. But anyway, you're welcome, not nerds. Enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> Calgary uh, got some incredible death scoring with 16 of their players registering at least one point in four games. And Cam Talbot played surprisingly well for the Flames, which is not a trend that can last. I'll tell you this, Ian. I don't want to play Calgary only because I can already see Andrew Mangiapane or as we like to call him, Marzipan, scoring the game-winning goal in a critical juncture, and then I'd have to hate him, and I wouldn't want to do that. So. Yeah, that's so fun. Um, I 
I like the Calgary Flames less than Vancouver, so I want to face Vancouver too because if they beat us, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> Calgary beats us. I'm kind of like, eh, yeah, guys, boring. Uh, yeah, but that was uh, not close. The other another series that was not particularly close. The Pittsburgh Penguins losing in four to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, shout, shout out to friend uh, Nate, who I'm sure doesn't listen to this podcast. God willing, uh, I will be <laughs> fired very quickly if he does. But big Penguins fan, you know, know he's going through a lot. I'll be in their city next week. I assume they'll be wearing sackcloth and ashes. This, I feel like, is the kind of thing that can happen to a team. You know, it's a veteran team that's slow to get going. I think I said, I think I predicted the Penguins because I didn't think Montreal would care. Mm -hmm. But I think I said that if Montreal cared and Price looked good, they had a shot in this. And Montreal cared and Price looked good. Um, And they certainly had more than a shot. Uh, Crosby was held to three points and Malkin only had one assist. And... God almighty, it's Jack Johnson so, 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 so bad. That dude, <laughs> That's it's, astounding. It's sad because his story sucks, and I feel bad for him, and I'm honestly glad the dude's getting some money, uh, even if it is tanking this franchise. But <laughs> wasn't that wasn't it like Drew Doughty, Jack Johnson, same breath for a while? Wasn't that a, like, a while ago, but yeah, for but sure. But like, yeah, ten years ago, but still, like when he was with the jacket, or when what was he? He was in L. He was with L. A. for a long yeah. time, and he went to the jackets, and even then, they're like, "That's a really <laughs> solid pickup for for Columbus." Yeah, I think that was one of those situations where you know, at the time, it was like, "Oh, well, the Predators knew they couldn't keep both Weber and Suter, so they let Suter go because he was the one B." But it was like a hard loss for him, mm. and that dude's just falling on a cliff. How far he's fallen from, like, what's either Drew Dowdy or Jack Johnson. You know, obviously, we got to get rid of Johnson, but we would love to keep them both to um, whatever the Penguins GM recently said, where it was <laughs> like, look, Mata. it's either Jack, they either wanted Jack Johnson or who's the other player Holy that Mata. Chicago took? Yeah, Armada, and they wanted Mata. So <laughs> I guess we got to keep the shittier one. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> They're going to pick the one that's better. <laughs> Mike Sullivan. Did you see that Doge meme? Was it you that sent me that one? What was <laughs> something? I wasn't even comprehensible in English, but I'll have to find it. And guess, cause it oh, was, why do you play Jack Johnson? Yeah, the guy that's like crying in all veins. And uh-huh. he's like, why do you play Jack Johnson? He's terrible. And of course, he's never been good in like five years. And just uh, Mike Sullivan going like, JJ, go burp. That's the one. Yep. You're the one. You got it. Uh,. Yeah, it's uh, it's your own fault. I mean, th- that team, that's they're a, that's such a mean comparison. I was gonna say they're a much better Oilers team, and that that's extremely mean to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, but like, would I, would I do anything to change the Pittsburgh Penguins based upon losing this series? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd but like, would I make? <laughs> But would I make changes that like I should have already made before this series? Yes, which was the Jack Johnson bullshit. If this wasn't the bubble, I would say Mike Sullivan should be fired for that. Two series in these playoffs where I felt like one guy was just absolutely outcoached, and mm-hmm. that was the difference in the series. One of them was Dave Tippett getting outcoached by Jeremy Colleton, which should be embarrassing <laughs> for him. 
and the other one was Mike Sullivan getting out coached by Claude Julian. Uh, isn't that that is the Montreal coach right now, right? I'm not yep. making that up. Yep. So I just I said a French name and it sounded right, so I wanted to make sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I don't know what you do because it's like you don't want to overreact in the ridiculous bubble system, but you don't want to underreact either. And I feel like there were a lot of people saying this is the end of the Penguins on Twitter taking their victory lap. And I'm like, dude, they could have Alexi Lafreniere and no Jack Johnson in a year and be unstoppable for two or three more years. As long as you always have Sonny and, and Malkin, like, you always have a shot. I think that's the, what is that? That's the Elliot Friedman verbiage of like, hey, man, if they, I'm always, they're always going for it as long as they have those two players. And I 100% agree. Like, you're not. Yeah. You're not a dumpster team as long as you have those two guys. And, like, they've made Brian Rust and Connor Sheary and, like, a handful of dudes, like, into players that matter. So it's, like, as long as you have competent players, you'll be good. And that's the – and I'm a little aside, but that's the exact difference between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Edmonton Oilers is, like, you have these two great players, and then you have some okay players. But you know what? They work. And then you won cups. But, like, if you're the Edmonton Oilers – you have these two great players, and you have a bunch of shitty players, and it doesn't work, so you don't win cups. It's very, I mean, it's very simplified, but it's like it's true. Yeah, I mean, but as much as the, you know, the Oilers don't have a Latang or a, a Flurry right now, and I think that is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't. It's true. I don't think it's out of the question as much as I think the Dater type of stuff is just cheap shot nonsense. I don't think it's out of the question to speculate as to whether McDavid is the leader that Crosby is, you know, or will have mm-hmm. the legacy that Crosby does. If you he's the he's the best on ice player in the world. There's no question. It's not even close. There's it, no competition. If you watch that one goal he scored again in the first period against in game 2 against Chicago, Watch it a mm-hmm. thousand times, and it will never not be nonsensical. It will never, ever make sense to your brain what you're watching him do. And he's not even going full speed. That dude is going 70% top tops mm. in that clip. Uh, but, you know, he might not have the get it done that Crosby has had and the, and the constant insane hunger to succeed that Crosby has. And that's fine. That's not the end of the world, but it's like, all right, then you've got to surround him with different folks who do get him there. Mm-hmm. Wayne Gretzky was never the same without Mark Messier, you know? And Wayne Gretzky is a better player than Mark Messier. I don't think there's any argument, but <laughs> Mark Messier won another cup and Wayne Gretzky didn't, you know? So I'm not saying that that's the only reason, but it's certainly a reason. <laughs> so Does Wayne Gretzky have an award that he hands out every yeah. year? To <laughs> Did they decide Wayne Gretzky just got to choose who won the leadership award? I don't think so. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and the Columbus Blue Jackets are the only team still in this. And it has been a mirror uh, in Game 1, Columbus shut out Toronto. In Game 2, Toronto shut out Columbus. In Game 3, Toronto took a 3-0 lead, and Columbus rallied back and went at 4-3 in overtime. And in Game 4, Columbus took a 3-0 lead, and Toronto rallied back in dramatic fashion to win it in overtime. Who wins Game 5, Ian? So, based upon this this, this pattern, it's got to be Columbus, yeah, obviously. I think it will I- I do think it will be Columbus. I have to tell you. I do you. think it's kind of funny, like, especially because every, like, since game one, 
either especially Toronto's media, but even Columbus's media to an extent, have really made sweeping generalizations uh-huh. immediately. Um, and back and forth. And now we're, we're in game four and it's happened again. And they're like, I don't see how Columbus recovers. And I was like, just like, how could they possibly recover from a shutout in game two? How could it be? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I think we've seen that, like, the game that happened before this game doesn't matter in the least. Yeah. Especially as much as people complain or like to make fun of John Torrell, I'm going to say he is actually a fairly decent coach. And especially against a team that he's coaching, I don't think having that happen to them is that like is that much of a determiner of what's going to happen in game five i'm going to go uh, out on a limb which people are not going to climb out with me on which i am under not sympathetic to but i think john tortorello might be the best coach in the nhl our measure every year our measure of the best coach is doing the most with the least right that's literally how we decide the jack adams award that's john tortorello's entire career <laughs> How is this team relevant? How how did these Blue Jackets sweep the Tampa Bay Lightning last year? Even with, I mean, they had so much more talent then, and now they are absolutely game and game, neck and neck with this Toronto team. And they were, you know, one collapse, admittedly, but also some some lucky goals and, and lucky bounces away from beating them in four pretty handily. And so, yeah, I mean... If you want to say, well, the momentum is all with the Maple Leafs, fine. But, like, okay, then why did the Blues win game 7-4-1 to one last year? You know, after getting, what was it, like 5-1, to 5-0, to nothing, 6-1, to one something in game five, 6? Mm-hmm. Momentum is a thing, I think, and I think it's especially a thing within a game. I'm not sure it carries from game to game, especially if there's a two-day break in between. I'm just not sure I'd buy that. I'm, yeah, you know, I, like Toronto could win, but it's not like this. The Maple Leafs are just, or the Columbus Blue Jackets have just like fallen apart mentally and just crank it up for Game Five. It's like you have one more opportunity, and you've won two of these games. And also, and doesn't, doesn't Toronto at some point in all of these series they eventually lose seem to have the unlosable upper hand? <laughs> yeah, I was like that. Isn't that the tragedy of it all? I mean, this kind of makes sense. The Toronto, like. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think offhand, really quick, of like a metaphor, and I can't think of it. But it's like, it's like get, you know, stepping over a bear trap, but only to like step into like a giant pit or uh-huh. whatever. It's like, oh, we did it. And it's like, yeah, along the way to the pit, like, that's, that's, you haven't beaten it yet. You haven't gotten away. Yeah, so that game will be decided tomorrow. One of the three games taking place, along with our game in Boston and Washington, fighting for. Uh, third and fourth place, I think, as well, like we are. Um, the New York Islanders made quick and embarrassingly pathetic work of the Florida Panthers. This was a snooze series, as we expected. Uh, New York Islanders are not loaded with more talent than the Florida Panthers, but they're better and better coached. Uh, and this pathetic performance and the horrendous play of Sergei Bobrovsky led to the immediate and sumerial firing of uh, Dale Talon, who had been in Florida for 10 years. The, be- the best tweet I saw about this has, was something to the effect of the Florida Panthers announced they have fired Dale Talon. It is rumored that the leading candidate for the Florida Panthers general manager job is Dale Talon. Because <laughs> well, what, didn't they like get rid of him and make him like the 
president yeah. and then they like were like never mind you can be gm again yeah i think they did and also he's just been there so long and also the nhl just hires old yeah. recycled people so what he helped he essentially was he the gm at the time or he was a gm and then he left immediately anyways of like the blackhawks in their first cup in like 2010 they're like uh-huh. the first recent cup and so like he's just been riding that like for the last I guess, but like, years what a, that team is more talented than they perform Aaron uh, Aaron Eckblad is whatever, but uh, <laughs> Alexander Barkov, I honestly think is a top ten player in this league in pure skill. And Huberdeau is really good. Um, Dad Dead on off seems to be really good. Like they've got a ton of talent, ton of scoring talent. Their defense, I guess, can't play for crap. And Vavrovsky, you know, like I don't know. I, is he going to be the dude that just gets the fag contract and is just done? Is he Ilya Brizgalov? Because I think he might be. Um, the contract is the contract has to be worse than the league currently. Oh, for sure. Right now, yeah, not even close. Yeah. And I thought it was a good gamble on them because I thought maybe yeah. they were one great goaltender away from being a really competitive team, and I was dead wrong. So you know, eat my lunch. But um, the Islanders that trap and that defense as as you said here well the islanders lack of offense was no match for the panthers lack of defense uh Bobrovsky played terribly he had that definite defining goal at the start of game four that was just through his legs from an extreme angle uh but the team in front of him didn't give him anything to live up to it's not like he was letting him down uh, mm-hmm. The bottom six on the Islanders created a, a surprisingly deep amount of scoring chances, and they matched well against the Panthers' top-heavy team. And as I think you speculated here, well, I don't think Aaron Eckblad is especially good. They they had, um, was it Anson Carter? And and I don't know if it was Corey Schneider at this point, who's now on like the desk, or if it was uh, Patrick Sharp, but they were doing the weirdest, like, Someone say something good about Aaron Eckblad, like the the you know producer said into their earpiece, uh, and they're both like, "Yeah, you know, Aaron Eckblad, he's good. He's not <laughs> like consistent or like someone I would want on my team, or but like he's like an NHL good. caliber player." But yeah, it was like it was the weirdest. Like, wow, you just described Kevin Shattenkirk. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I don't know. I forget what they were trying to do. They almost, like, likened them to, like, they're like, he could be one of the best players in the league if he just did 10 things different, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, uh-huh, yep. Like, I'm, he's fine, but I just, every time I see him, I, I honest to God think to myself, I think Eric Johnson's doing better than you, sir. I really do. Oh, Eric Johnson's so much better than Aaron Eckball. I was like, I think you're the most disappointing recent defenseman uh-huh. pick. I would take Eric Johnson at this age over Aaron Eckblad at this age. He's um, still pretty young, but it's just like, I don't know if it was it's him or if it's being developed in Florida or what, but it's just like every time I see him, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're that weird 2014 pick, eh? Yeah, I mean, he's still only 24. I would have thought 25 at least, so who knows? But, like, yeah, it's just kind of like... It, and it's probably one of those things, like, if he wasn't the first overall pick, you know, if he was Joel Edmondson, he'd be a very good Joel Edmondson. But he, <laughs> he was the first overall pick, so it's like, that's what you get to be saddled with. Sorry. Uh, and then finally, of the matchups that are decided, Carolina 
just obliterated the Rangers. I mean, it wasn't. Oh, I felt I felt so bad oh, for the Rangers. Eight points nope. in three games. Sorry, go ahead. I just ended. I mean, I ended last podcast. You know, being like. Man, big apple babies, let's go. And then nothing. <laughs> nothing. Just fucking nothing. Church. Uh, this was kind of the, the coming out party, it felt like, for Andrei Svechnikov a little bit, uh, who you forget is there and is going to be a phenomenally good hockey player. Um, he had five points in three games, including a hat trick in game two, I think. Uh Peter Mrazek, biggest weakness, looked fine in this series. But, man, if that team had random goalie A, mm. they would probably be my favorite right now. And it's not just because of that performance, but they are just loaded top to bottom. Um, they've got Justin Williams, and that's got to count for something. <laughs> uh, I think Rob Rindamore is a, a really good coach, so... Yeah, I mean, it's really, can can Peter Morazic be a Stanley Cup winning goaltender? And the answer is probably no, but uh, the rest of it looks solid. Mm-hmm. I was like, I really was impressed with Aho too, as well. Eight points in three games, like a phenomenal player. It's, they're, they are a younger, like to me, I look at them and I look at, the Vegas Golden Knights, and I think, man, these two teams, top to bottom, I know, I know, like every name on the team, mm-hmm. and they're, and none of these players are like, eh, I don't know about you. I'm like, you know what? I think you're all solid, like mm-hmm. all of them. And I'm just like, you know what? This is like, this makes me think of the Blues, not to toot our own horn, but like where I'm like, you know what? Top to bottom, a solid team, and that's what you need to win the cup, to win the playoffs. And then it makes me think, honestly, whoever, I guess at this point, it's either. Oh God, I'm not going to do all the different scenarios in my head, but whoever Carolina has to face in the first round, and it could be Boston or, or Washington, I believe. But yeah, those are the only two they could face. Um, depending on who wins that game and who Toronto, if Toronto or Columbus win, I think Carolina's going to be like a big, could be an upset, I suppose. Like, I don't know if it even would be an upset at that point. Like, if they beat Boston, that's going to be a rematch of the Eastern Conference Final next year or last year. And despite being swept, they looked really good. And against Washington, again, like um, another fantastic team to have a measuring stick up against. And I think Carolina's up to the task on either of them. So it'll be an interesting series. I think I'll be rooting for them either way. Yeah, I agree. I think I will. they'll be kind of my Eastern Conference team to watch, along with the Flyers, who, to their credit, Punch first place. Uh, so oh, yeah. we'll see. Uh, let's look at the, the matchups we know for certain right now, and we can look at the rest of them next week uh, because we'll need content, and I don't think any of them will be more than one or two games in. Uh, but the Vegas Golden Knights drew the Chicago Blackhawks. I don't think this is going to be close. Um, Vegas looks really good right now. They have two really strong goaltenders. They are going to go with Lanier, who has every reason to try and silence the Blackhawks as the most recent team to give up on him. That'd be Um, hilarious. I just don't, I don't see any reason to believe Chicago can climb this mountain. To be fair, I didn't see any reason to climb, see them climbing the Edmonton mountain either. And they did it fairly easily. So could be wrong. (laughs) But I think Vegas wins this in five or six, and maybe even four. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where Chicago can be scrappy and they have Kane and they can score, but I just think Vegas, like I said, top to bottom, just a solid team, a much better team than a lot of the different a lot of the teams that are in this tournament currently. So if Chicago beats Vegas, either Vegas will collapse and look like awful or had so many injuries or something, or I think Chicago is just destined to win their fourth cup in the last like 11 years because that that would be outstanding. That would be amazing. I would have never believed that could happen. If Chicago beats Vegas, I'll be blown away and this whole tournament will be turned up on its head for me um, <laughs> more than it already has been. Yeah, I mean, if they, yeah, I think Vegas in six, though, for sure. Because they would be being Vegas, I feel like uh, I would sort of believe with you. I'm going to lock in Vegas in five, though. I just don't think it's going to happen. After all that. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche and the Arizona Coyotes, as I mentioned, I don't think this is an easy series for Colorado, but I do think it's about the worst matchup for Arizona. Arizona defended well against Nashville, but Nashville doesn't have one player as talented as three or four of the best Colorado players. Um, Colorado looked really fantastic, uh, and Vegas, you know, eked out the win, but it was a close game. Uh what are your thoughts on this series? I don't think this could be closer than you think. I think the games might be a lot closer because it, I just, I don't know, Arizona feels like they know how to play their opponent. Mm-hmm. I think they, I don't know if Rick Tockett or somebody else in that, in the coaching yeah. staff there prepares them very well, but like it just seems like they know what they need to do to get into their opponent's heads and just make a mess of things. And so while I don't think they necessarily dictate play a lot, I think they can stymie you a lot more and in that way they're like probably a very good counterpunch team i feel like they have a lot of young speed so even though colorado's quite quick too i just think that if you can keep their top line off the board um and also if you can i heard people i heard a panel say you know colorado is more dangerous than ever because now they have nazim kadri and i was like you know what you're right he's a very he's a good hockey player but they said he's the reason that that the Colorado Avalanche are better for having him is because he's got that grit and that nastiness. And I was like, oh, you mean like running someone in, like into the boards like knee first into their head? Who yeah, he's got that too. For hitting. I feel yeah, like, like it's Lawson could be, Cruz. He could be gone at any point. It's Lawson Cruz. That's my final answer. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I think Arizona, I think there'll be close games. I think it could go to possibly, you know, six or seven, but I also... Just think Colorado is such a good team that I'm, I'm going to say Colorado in five. Mm-hmm. But if it goes, if it's any closer than that, I wouldn't be surprised because I do think Arizona has enough of a defensive structure. And like I said, a lot of young guns that can kind of counterpunch you that, you know, get get a, get Kemper on his game and everything too. And I think it's a very dangerous series. But barring some of those things, you know, happening – I think Colorado has the much easier task here. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be an upset. So by definition, an upset is an upset. And I don't necessarily see it coming or think it's likely. And it would take a lot of things to fall into place. But I could see that this with this one. Whereas I would be really shocked if uh, Chicago lost or Chicago beat the Golden Knights. 
I would be dramatically less shocked if Arizona beat Colorado as good as I think Colorado is because I just think Arizona is a scrappy, dangerous team. So I do think this may go to seven. That's what I'll say. I'll still say Colorado will win it. But I think this is going to be one of those really fun series to watch that you maybe don't expect to be as fun on paper. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the last one is Philly and Montreal. Uh, Ian, will Montreal's momentum carry them through another round against Philadelphia, who I kind of wrote off and who won the first seed, so good for them. Mm -hmm. I really didn't think Philly's, um, Philly's, I don't know, winning streak, I forget what they had. They had something crazy coming in in terms of, like, I don't know, 17 wins or 15 wins in their last, like, 21 starts and Uh stuff like that, or 21 games, so, like, it's pretty impressive, something along those lines. And I don't know if momentum carried over. They're just that tight of a team that it's they've gotten luckier. They're just very good, and they've started out hot. But we kind of failed to mention this with Vegas. They've you know that they've won their three games now too. I think if you're a team, if you're a team that, and I guess you'll always be the lowest seed team. If you're a team that made it out of the qualifying round, you out you obviously beat a team to get there. So mm-hmm. like we're hot, we're ready to go. Now you're facing a very a much better team. Yeah, that is also hot, and it's like mm 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 I like Montreal wins a game if Carey Price like stands on his head. But to me, Philly seems very dangerous. They beat, I mean, they beat all Boston, Washington, and Tampa Bay, and I think. All three of those teams, regardless of if they're deciding to play, you know, they're like the Blues and are playing the games for real or not, those are all very hard teams to beat. Mm-hmm. And for that team to look really good, and they're incredibly deep. Uh, Travis Connectedy is probably, like, currently the most underrated, like, good player in the league, I think. And I don't know. I've, I've watched, I didn't watch that many of their games because I, I barely watch any of the round-robin games on our side. But from what I've read, they've looked like stellar, and they could be like my pick for like they're most certainly to me like a pick to make it to the Eastern Conference Final, maybe even you know the Eastern Conference representative in the finals for the Cup. But I think yeah, they take it in five. Montreal, I think, was a very is a better team than a lot of people give them credit. But also, I think their win is or their win over Pittsburgh, let's say, um, was just as much a Pittsburgh just deciding to lose, just not being good enough, period, with the rest of their players as it was Montreal just kind of being there and being like, yeah, we're a good team, we're good enough. Yeah, but I don't think they actually are a good team. No. I agree with you. It's pretty quick. I'll also say Philly in five because gross, and that will be the funniest thing is if Montreal screws themselves out of Lafreniere and then doesn't have any life anyway. That's the dream scenario, folks. That's how it works. Screw established Canadian teams, I say. And speaking of which, our Lafreniere Power Rankings. We'll close out with this tonight. Uh, The nine teams that are available here are Pittsburgh, Winnipeg, Florida, New York, Edmonton, Columbus, uh, Minnesota, Nashville, and Toronto. And... Uh, Ian, you have done these power rankings, so I will, why don't you walk us through them and I will just react to how you have ranked them and say if I disagree or agree with you. So we'll start with like, we'll start at the bottom. We'll start with who we most certainly don't want to see Lafreniere with, and then we'll work our way all the way. Who we'd love to see Lafreniere uh, be picked by. So 
that's nine teams because, like we said, we currently don't know if, who's going to be kicked out of the Toronto-Columbus series, so we put them both in there. But Toronto is number nine. They're the team I do not want to see Lafreniere go to the most. Steve, I think you pointed out, you made a good point that it's very, uh, it'll be very interesting if he did get uh, picked by Toronto or Toronto did win the first overall pick because then you just get a whole media circus and that's not necessarily even the player that Toronto needs to push them over the top. They have plenty of young forwards that can score. They kind of need defense or a, a not aging goalie or anything else. Uh, so that'd be fun in that way, but it'd also just be like, I, I already hear about Toronto enough and it's like, he's just going to be added to the circus that's up there. And I, I don't want that. It would be, it would be a boring narrative to me as well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, my only point is what you already said is that let's see the absolute chaos that unfolds when this guy also doesn't make them a relevant playoff team because mm-hmm. that's not what they need. They need goaltending and defense, and Freddie Anderson doesn't seem to be spectacular in the playoffs, and their defense is non-existent. Uh, but, you know, I'm here for it. I'm not really wanting that, though, because I, mm-hmm. I don't want Toronto fans to be happy. I truly am that vindictive. I, tru- <laughs> I, I love Steve Dangle. I think Jesse Blake's probably a really cool guy, and I hate Adam Wilde, but that's a different story. But... Other than Steve Dangle, personally, as a human being, everyone in that city can get effed. And I'm just over it. So, yeah, don't give them the pick. Go ahead and move on to your number eight. Number eight would be Nashville. Um, Again, I think that's just a boring team to go to because somehow they'd they'd waste him as well. Somehow they'd find this guy that's like an amazing scorer and he'd turn into... Philip Forsberg or Philip Forsberg's light. And you'd be like, hey, isn't he supposed to score? And like, yeah, and he kind of does. And you're like, oh, okay, neat. And then you just forget about him. And also, like, I don't know what it is to me, but like, maybe it's just because Nashville's kind of like Hicksville in my mind. I mean, it's very nice. I've enjoyed it when I visited. It's a very cool city. But like, I just don't see Lafreniere even in that jersey. I'm kind of oh, like, no, eh. no, no, no. no, no. Um, seven. Jets, I would say. Yeah, seven Winnipeg Jets because like you said, sort of the same thing. And it's just sort of like, I'm just more okay with them getting him. I find them more intriguing with who he could possibly be playing with. And they've got, I think a more interesting young cast to match him with. If they get and, Lafreniere, do you think Line is there next year? Um, you think they question. get Lafreniere to play together and see if there's some magic? Yeah, I think so. They at least give it a try, and then after that, maybe they start trading people because they've got this Lafreniere kid. That's what I wondered about the Maple Leafs. Honestly, is like they got him, and let's say he did really well, and they're like, "Shit, maybe like William Nylander can oh, get." Oh yeah, that. he's expendable as hell. If they I mean, the, the the articles will be written immediately, but I wonder if that would happen. Yeah, no, uh, I mean it'd have to after because as soon as Lafreniere's due for a contract, mm-hmm. they're screwed. Oh, God. So. I guess we got to give him fourteen. Um, Florida Panthers, number six. I think they could use a break, a little bit of a break. <laughs> they've uh, Even if they've dug themselves in a little bit of a hole, I think it'd be a little nice for them to have a little bit of a ray of sunshine there. But again, very boring. He'd be the new Alexander in Barkov. sunshine, Florida, they need a ray of sunshine, you're saying? They do. It rains there once every every day at about 3 p.m. It gets really green and it rains. <laughs> at least from what I remember from my week in Florida when I was 10. But uh, next would be five Minnesota Wild, and even though they are in our division, 
along with the Florida Panthers, I'm kind of like, you know what? I feel I feel a little I feel a little bad for the Minnesota Wild. Oh, yeah. They they do need a kind of young fun player to revitalize that team. They kind of are trying to make Kevin Fiala into that and he is young and he is fairly decent, but they try and talk to it like they're making him sound like that's like Ooh, that's their that's their player that's going to be there. Like that's the guy. Watch out for Kevin Fiala, Minnesota. I'm like, hmm. This feels like when they were trying to make like Brad Boys be like, watch out, guys. That guy's the star for the Blues. And uh, it's like, yeah, he is, but he shouldn't be. Yeah, he's only the star because you guys suck. Yeah, exactly. It's it's the least Stepniak. Like least Stepniak's pretty good, boys. And it's like, well, sure. Um, number four, Pittsburgh Penguins. People will be like, why would you even have them this high? I almost thought about putting them number one, quite honestly, because maximum chaos. Like, oh, yeah. again, if the, the Penguins' it's a windows closed. thing for you to say, but still. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I had a lot of time for maximum chaos. Uh-huh. Oh, good, 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 good. <laughs> but uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, like, again, their window's not closed. By any means. And if they get Lafreniere, it's like wide open. Uh-huh. It's fantastic. I would love it just because it would screw with the rest of the Metro teams that would just hate it. So yeah, I say go for it. I say, you know, they won the they won the weird lottery that happened in two thousand five when they got Crosby and they'll win this weird lottery too. I don't wanna I don't wanna backtrack too much, but I just wanna say if uh the wild get uh Kiro Kaprizov and Alexi Lafreniere next year, and they've got a goalie who is named Capo uh, Kakinen, which, by the way, so glad we could have a Capo Kako and a Capo Kakinen and add to that mix a Kirill Kaprizov on the same team. Thanks, Minnesota, and also Eastern Europe. Uh, but, um, man, that is a transformed team really freaking quickly if they get those three young studs in there. And it... And then, you know, if they do that, if they get those three guys in there, then uh, a Kevin Fiala, you can sort of turn into your Jaden Schwartz, more or less. You're like, very good, very valuable young player, but who doesn't have to be looked at as the star, as the guy. And you just say, hey, he's a second line guy, and he's a good piece to have, and he's great, and he's young. And, and you know, other guys like Matthew Boldy, I think, and uh, Nico Sturm and uh, Alexander Kovanoff, their other top prospects, they slot in really nicely. And then that's a team with some hope, even though they're still saddled by those contracts for Sutter and uh, Parise and always will be. It's a, it's a real transformation. So I don't want the Wild to be good. Like, that would be something we'd live to regret, I'm sure, if Lafreniere did go there. But for now... God, they've just been so irrelevant for so long. And I do feel like they'd be a very natural rival for us, so I'd like to kind of see that happen. But please go ahead and uh, continue with number three here. I was like, yes. Number three, the Edmonton Oilers. Um, I also thought about putting them at one. 100%. Yeah, like, why? Why, when people are like, I'm like so against this. I understand that if you're one of the other teams that are in this, this, uh, you know, this Lafreniere sweepstakes. But if you're not, you want it to be the Edmonton Oilers because, no, if you're Calgary or, or you're Vancouver, you're not worried about them getting Lafreniere. It doesn't matter to you. Oh, no. They're no good. They will still have Miko Koskin and then they'll still have no defense. It will yeah. just be that they will have the most fun offense to watch in the league. Yeah, you just got to be like, can we outscore them? And honestly, because their defense is so bad, you might. You really might, but also I think it'd be fun because also what if they what if they get them 
and he's not really the missing piece. Like they're still not, you know, quite good enough, but they score just so much that you really can't beat them. It's like, I don't know. They score six goals every game and like their defense sucks, but we can't score six goals. And it's like, yeah, that's how they win. I mean, that'd be fun. That'd be entertaining for me. You'd have a winger that could actually keep up with uh, McDavid and maybe then you could just shove Dreisaitl on his own line. It'll never happen. It'll be all three of those on the top line because they're idiots. <laughs> that power play, though? Mm-hmm. I love that, by the way, we bragged about uh, our mic and table improvements and now for some reason my pop guard has decided it's just not going to stand up at all anymore. So uh, that's a little fun <laughs> behind the scenes. To use anymore. So if you've heard that a couple of times, that's the pop card dropping for no reason. But yeah, I agree with you. That team with him there is still irrelevant in the grand scheme of things, but so fun to watch, man. So mm-hmm. fun to watch. And all the people will be predicting them to win championships, and I'll just be like, nope, 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 nope. Because <laughs> we can never learn this lesson that star power doesn't equal championships. You know, mm-hmm. you still need a goalie. You still need defense. What makes the Avs different this year different than the Avs of two years ago? Philip Grubauer and Kale McCarr, you know, like, it's not mm-hmm. a mystery. Uh, but... Um, it is often treated like one. So, yeah, that, so I, I like that pick there for sure. So, number two, I have the New York Rangers because they're already in rebuild mode. They know they're in rebuild mode. They've kind of kickstarted their rebuild a little bit when they got Panarin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if you get Lafreniere along with that, it's just like your your rebuild that was already actually going kind of according to plan is now even better. And it's amazing. And you're like, wow, we have so much to look forward to. And with Pernarum for like whatever six more years, we've got Capo Caco, we've got Lafreniere now. They act, they have a very very deep um, prospect pool. It's like they're they're all things up for the New York Rangers. You could have a team that just got swept out of the play-in round, uh, wasn't even going to quite make the you know regular playoffs this year anyways, and they were already like you know what we're doing pretty well. We're doing what we want to do. We're getting where we want to be. And then you add in Lafreniere, and it's like, Mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> I do feel like if they get Lafreniere, then the rebuild's done. <laughs> rebuild like, over. Mission accomplished. You know, I don't think, I mean, they don't have a great defense yet, but they've got Fox and, and Truba and, you know, it's something to build off of. Uh, mm-hmm. Tony D'Angelo is terrible, but, um, <laughs> you know, he's good on the scoring side. That dude, they didn't need to keep Kevin Shattenkirk, but they already had him. Uh, best hockey tweet of the week, by the way, goes to some woman who I, who I saw tweeting uh, a picture of him blocking her in the comments and on Twitter and saying something like, I may be the only thing he's blocking this week. That was good. And then what was the other one? I saw a gif of uh, uh, someone, I'm assuming Spechnikov Raho, probably scoring on them. Uh-huh. And it was like, it was basically D'Angelo getting danced and then also like Truba with the old Alex Ovechkin controller disconnect skate towards them and doing nothing. And it was like, wow, Jacob Truba had like the best look at this goal of anyone. <laughs> he didn't do anything. Oh, boy. Yeah, I agree. Hit us with your number one because I am in lockstep with it. Yes, and the number one is obviously if we started with the worst team being the Toronto Maple Leafs to get Lafreniere, then the best team obviously has to be the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think this poor team and John Tortorella deserve this player. I don't know if he's a John Tortorella player. Most certainly not. No but still, it would. It's. I I root for Columbus, even when they were in our our conference, even when they were in our division. 
I was, I was like, you know what? That's a little scrappy upstart team. And I think until they like win a cup or get really deep in the playoffs, maybe it's because they only made it the second round ever in their entire franchise history last year for the first time. I always view them as this, as like they were just created two years ago. <laughs> They're like, yeah, they've been here since like 1999. I'm like, I don't think so. I think you're just going to expand it into, and you're fun. You're a fun little team. Um, yeah, I, th- I just be good. I feel like Columbus all our all our time watching this sport, all the time they've existed, has never really been bad. You know, I don't feel like I mean they've never been good, but they've never been rotten. So mm-hmm. it would be kind of fortuitous for them. I mean, I want them to beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. So in another way, they're the team I least want to win Lafreniere. But it would be kind of fortuitous for them to end up in a scenario where they're not bad. They got into the playoffs. They had a, a, a good little series, and then they still win the guy. And then they have really their second franchise player ever behind Rick Nash. Like, I don't, you know, there aren't a lot of other, I guess Brandon Dubinsky's been there for a long time. Nick Foligno has no. been there for a long time, but those aren't guys you'd call franchises. Pierre-Luc Dubois is really good. Maybe he's... I was say, see, you get the French connection then. Yeah, between there you go. And Dubois. French connection 2.0. Maybe get mm-hmm. uh, Antoine Roussel over there. Don't. Don't do that. Don't um, do it. But, yeah, I just think that would be the team. You know, there's a lot of reasons I don't love it because it's like, in some ways, it's like, oh, he'd be such a weird fit there. But, True. I don't. Yeah, it's kind of a odd for what their team is. Yeah, but you know, and it feels like you always want those guys to like, oh, they've gone to the classic teams in some ways, you know. But like Detroit can't get them, so, um, and the Habs can't get them now, and Ottawa can't get them, so it's like, yeah, why not Columbus? Give them a win. So with that, we've talked for almost two hours. My computer is almost about to die. Uh, Ian is about to turn into a gremlin, or they're always gremlins, right? They just turn nasty overnight, I think. Yeah, you know what? I think you're right, and it's like if you feed them after midnight, which it's not midnight yet, so I can eat as much food as I want. <laughs> but um, not with milk. No cereal with milk. But that's just... Grem- gremlins, like, the first one's good, and then the second one is where they have, like, Batman gremlin and stuff, I right? so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta get that merchandising, baby. All hail before the dollar. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Um, I hope that the Hurricanes sweep the Bruins. Agreed. That'd be terrific. I want Mm -hmm. them to... I'd say, if it's not the Blues, let it be the Hurricanes. Hurricanes, Flyers, I'd be fine with the Avs. There could be some fun teams that I think are legitimately in competition. Just don't Mm -hmm. let it be somebody boring. Um, And I'll be good. So uh, with all that said, i got to go pack for the Steel City. Uh, We'll be back Friday next week, Saturday, one of those days, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. We'll figure it out. We'll talk about Blues Hockey. Hopefully we'll have some wins between now and then. Uh, The last win was in March. uh, it's been so long. That lousy franchise has never won a game in July or August. Uh, yuck, yuck, yuck. In any case, before my computer dies, we'll sign off. Have a great day, night, morning, noontide, whenever you listen to this. Enjoy yourselves, and we'll see you real soon. Have a good night. When I feel your gentle touch And things are going our way 